5: This is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
0: It's time now for Armchair Politics. Join host Tom Sumner for this weekly reality check on current events in local, state, and national politics, and the real issues that really matter. You, too, can be part of Armchair Politics. Find us on Facebook.
6: We let the dogs off their leash. Stay tuned. Because it's on now.
1: Hey, welcome to this week's edition of Armchair Politics, our weekly roundtable on the Tom Sumner program. Joining me for today's edition of Armchair Politics, our panel of political pundits includes our roundtable regulars. On the left, Flint's premier political pundit, Paul Rosicki. Good morning, Paul. Good morning. Good to be here. And on the right, longtime Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter. Good morning to you, Henry. Good morning, Tom. And joining us for uh, today's edition of Armchair Politics, East Village Magazine Consulting Editor Jan Worth Nelson. Good morning, Jan.
6: Good morning. Good morning. Good
2: morning, al- Jan.
1: And as Good always, morning. Uh, I, I start out with uh, some quotes, and the first one is always, uh, finish the quote where I ask you how would you finish this quote and it goes uh, like this the Constitution is a document that should what how would you finish this quote
2: hmm. apply to all people yeah that's all suit, good, Henry yeah to set the framework of government something like that <laughs>
1: Well, here's here's the original quote. The Constitution is a document that should only be amended with great caution.
0: Ah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh. Okay, so. Hmm. I'm trying to
2: think who said that. Hmm.
1: I would not have guessed. Yeah, I don't Who, who said it, and uh, that came from Carl Levin.
2: Oh, oh, oh. good
1: quote.
2: Oh. Yeah. Yeah.
1: He just died, didn't he? He did, just yeah, this it, last week at age yeah. 87, yeah. after uh, serving as, uh, well, he retired in what, um, 16? 16. I
2: believe it was 16. Four, 14, wasn't it? You might I never, be, I never, I'm not I sure. Whenever Gary Peters got elected, Gary Peters replaced him so far at 14, I think.
1: Yeah, you might okay. be right, Paul. I, yeah. I, I, I was thinking 16 like Henry, but. Uh, But he had been uh, Michigan's longest-serving member of the U.S. Senate, serving uh, 36 years there.
2: Yeah.
6: And And he he was highly respected among Republicans and uh, other people who served uh, Congress and government at that time. He was a very straightforward kind of guy. He really was.
1: Yeah, and and he was... um, Interesting, in as I was reading some of the uh, um, tributes to him over the last uh, week or so, um, and and I suppose it, it shouldn't surprise me, but he actually started out on the Detroit City Council.
0: Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. When when he first ran, nobody thought he had much of a chance. Uh, he was uh, he took what Bob Griffin, I think, when he first ran and first time around.
0: Did he go straight from the city council to the senate? I believe so. <laughs> that's
2: I'm not entirely sure that's about follow-up. it. <laughs> yeah,
1: but it also showed how big a deal uh, in Michigan politics Detroit was 36 years ago.
2: <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> okay. And, and of course, the the name it means a lot in, in Michigan politics too. There's a, a lot of the family members have been active all
0: over the place in Michigan politics.
1: That's true, yeah that's true
0: and that brother team of his brother and him uh wasn't exactly like the two Cuomo boys was it <laughs> no <laughs>
2: yeah
1: <clears throat> um well let's see uh all right here's here's a quote that got my attention and and you'll understand why when I share it things are going to get worse
2: oh uh, fauci right
1: yep It was. Dr. Anthony Fauci, the nation's top infectious disease expert, said lockdowns are unlikely despite the rise in COVID-19 cases, but things are going to get worse with the Delta variants uh, spread. Uh, The nation's top infectious disease expert stressed that this is an outbreak of the unvaccinated and that this group is far more vulnerable to catching COVID-19 and its of concern than those who are vaccinated.
6: This leaves a challenge for schools because all of the trajectory is set, and people are in a mood to send their kids back to school, and teachers, oh, yeah. some of them are ready to go back. Now, to put brakes on this right now is going to be problematic.
1: Well, and, and my question was, will more people be encouraged to get vaccinated now um, because of this, uh, this concept? And I think we talked about this a little bit last week, this, this concept of the outbreak of the unvaccinated. And the other question is, will they be able to get kids vaccinated
6: anytime this fall?
1: We don't yeah. even know
6: whether we have a virus, uh, a vaccine for children. There's a big debate on that even. For kids age. under 12, yeah. yeah. And that'll be a big issue in the fall, I think. Yes. Mm. And parents are, are very, very vocal and they're um, uh, contentious about some parents don't want their kids to be vaccinated. Others do. And there's a big divide between parents and this Mm-hmm. In this country, so in education, Certainly, so yes. yeah, we, we 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 gotta wait and see how that irons out.
2: But nearly all the hospitalizations we're seeing are those who are,
0: who are uh, unvaccinated. All yes. new ones. Uh, how how do we get the country to uh, look at that reason? What seems to me to be reasonably? I, how do you puncture the? How do you puncture that? Lack of um, willingness to go, just do it. I. It's very perplexing right now to me. I don't. I, mean, think, you know, I hardly think it's the mark of the beast, you guys. <laughs>
6: uh, but 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 a lot has to do with people's rights. Whether they, you can force them to do that. There's a big objection to moving ahead uh, in this domain without further. Uh, growing together by the country. We're so divided. Yeah,
0: yeah indeed. Well,
2: But, you know, in terms of rights, there's, there's all kinds of limits on rights when you can endanger others. I mean, you don't have the right to drive 100 miles an hour down a highway. Right. You know, nobody, you know, nobody claims that's a right because you, you might you tell somebody doing it.
1: Well, from yeah, what I, I from what I hear, Paul, there are a few that, that, that you're, are yeah, claiming that as a right.
2: Yeah, I live close enough to Dord Highway to hear much of that. So I think you're, I may be mistaken on that point. That's true. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that I, I don't true. know that I'd phrase it just that way, Paul. Right. I, I I think I'd stick with the fire in a crowded theater.
0: Maybe
2: that's it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. So many other examples, like smoking cigarettes in a restaurant. Or using a a seatbelt. I mean, those things, it's not, to use a worn-out phrase, it's certainly not rocket science. Uh, There was a meme going around this week that I thought was kind of funny where he said, we're not asking you to storm the beaches of Normandy. We're asking you to wear a mask and, you know, get a shot. It seems like Uh, sacrifices. So so much of this
6: discussion has to do with people's um, beliefs and their values. Uh, they claim that, you know, and anytime time you interfere with that, you create a whole new
0: dynamic. Does anybody know if there was equivalent resistance in the 100-year-ago plague? I mean, were there people who were claiming it was the mark of the beast back 100 years ago? Does anybody I'm know? I'm not that sure it-
1: that we had a vaccination 100 years ago.
0: Right. There was no vaccination, right?
1: Um. But I wonder I there
2: if there was there, Paul. I don't remember. Um, I don't think so. I think there was resistance to to wearing masks, though. I recall seeing some some photographs. I
1: was recently. thinking about the the Salk vaccine. Mm. Um, I remember yeah, yeah, actually I, being given that in and during school.
0: Yeah, me too. Yeah. Right. Same here.
1: So was yeah. I. And I don't remember. I don't remember if there was any. Uh, any opposition to that um, yeah no i think they
2: finally got that
1: in this day and age if if you try to set up a clinic in a public school to give shots for covid19 um somebody
6: burned the school down
0: that's the way
6: i yeah. feel yeah yeah i know <clears throat> Uh, back in uh, uh, during the time of uh, the polio vaccine, I think it was very graphically portrayed what it was like to be in an iron lung. Can you imagine the, even the uh, the um, the subject of an iron lung? That just sounds very very. I
2: recall oh, the pictures of those iron lungs. Yeah.
6: Yeah.
1: No,
2: me too. And people well, were glad to get the. Yeah,
1: I'm. I'm currently haunted by images of people dying on ventilators and and it doesn't seem like it should be that much different and yet it is.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: Very hard to understand. It is.
1: Well, uh, here's here's another quote. See if uh, if you have any idea who might have said this. Today's report from the New York State Attorney General substantiated and corroborated the allegations of the brave women who came forward to share their mm. stories, and we commend the women for doing so.
6: Um, New York that, Attorney General. Yeah, that that was uh, the Attorney General of no, New York.
1: No, but it uh, it was about her report, um, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and Senator Kristen Gillibrand in a joint statement, um, of course New York Governor uh, Andrew Cuomo on Tuesday faced mounting pressure from Democrats uh, including the President um, and his state's uh, two U.S. Senators to resign in the wake of a report that found he sexually harassed multiple women. Will Cuomo end up resigning, as
6: uh, the president
1: yes. has called for him to
6: do? The president is against him. Uh, the Democrats, uh, major Democrats, are against them, And so are mostly all Republicans. So there's no place to hide. You, you know, you've got to do something.
2: Yeah, either that or he'll face impeachment. But I think before that happens, I think probably he will end up, end up resigning. Yeah.
0: So he had really wanted that fourth term, the fourth term that his father was denied. I understand, uh, and some people are saying he's just going to try to tough it out. But mm. uh, based on that, hmm.
6: I think he should resign as well.
0: Well, uh, if if uh, if Al Franken had to resign, <laughs> this guy should have been that's gone.
6: A, that's right. That's right.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's really it's really messy and icky isn't it? Uh well, I'm not sure um how
1: much uh, you know, I think about that Al Franken resignation a lot. And I'm not sure how much of that was uh pressure on him to resign or him just just being fed up with Washington. Really? I, yeah. I I'm mm. not sure. I you know, I I don't have any um any real data on that, but I, I just I wonder about that sometimes because it seems like he could have toughed
0: it out. It certainly yeah. seems like he could have, yeah.
6: But he has a family, his wife and children, and he has uh, other family members and friends and stuff like that that uh, discuss with him or shy away from him. And you know, he has a life too to live, and it was just yeah. not worth it to continue. There's
1: well, nobody
0: for Cuomo. Right. Nobody. Yeah, it I mean, sure uh,
1: seems like it. I, I haven't even heard any uh, <laughs> anything from his brother. <laughs> I know. Anyway, we got to take a short break, but we'll come back and we'll talk local politics right after this.
3: Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
0: Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show.
7: The following is a public service announcement. Election day is near. Go to the polls and vote. Vote for the Kennedy of your choice, but vote. (laughs) Vote.
1: Hey, welcome back, everybody. Armchair Politics continues now with our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, joined by Jan Worth Nelson from East Village Magazine. And uh, <laughs> that little, that little reminder yesterday was uh, a primary election for the Flint City Council, and uh, there were now there were some things, uh, some villages to vote on in in towns and villages in uh, Genesee County and in other cities and counties around the state of michigan uh, this uh, off-year primary election um any uh any thoughts uh, on on yesterday's uh
2: well let's start
1: with voter well, turnout
2: <laughs> yeah well less than eight percent and in flint uh for one thing one big surprise i had was that uh, with one exception all the incumbents who chose to run survived. I thought yes. there might be a, a real big backlash against the incumbents, given the the rancor of the city council. But uh, except for Maurice Davis, every other incumbent
0: survived to, to run in November. And, uh, and some of them got, I, I don't know if you can say, a lot of votes, considering yesterday's uh, lamentable turnout. But, um, like, I was surprised to see that Monica Galloway got, the most votes of any of the incumbents, I think.
6: Yeah, that's right. I predicted that myself. That she yeah. Was,
0: uh,
6: she, was, she appeared to be well-respected, and she belonged to many, many other uh, coordinating um, organizations with states and counties and stuff like that. That means that she was well-respected.
2: Well, she's she's well connected with the municipal league, and she's gotten a yes. few positions there. But again, given the the nature of the council, I, I thought she'd have a tougher time. But um, oh. uh, she and Herkenrodder came out of the seventh <laughs> ward as the the two candidates.
6: But yeah. the low voter turnout uh, spells to me that there's no movement toward uh, generating the vibrancy in in uh, county and city government that it needs to do to change so it right. functions better and to meet uh, the needs of the people that it serves.
0: Yeah, absolutely, I know. You know, on the galloway or uh, since it's my neighborhood over here, I thought it was interesting that, I mean, I thought that um, Hurkenroeder, however you know how pronounce it, would be do better because there was the great sinkhole drama that happened in the last year. That's few weeks. right. And uh, And Monica Galloway, did never appeared over here. <clears throat> um, she did bring it up at this at one of the city council meetings, but you know there were there were the sinkholes that were opening up over here was just everybody was screaming and yelling and and Herkenroder showed up on the scene yeah. and uh, <laughs> several times and looked up a lot of you know gave us a lot of feedback and everything. So I but again I think it points to a little bit of a division in the seventh ward because. Um, the people over here are primarily white and yeah. uh i think that they're you know are screaming and yelling about the sinkholes it may have been regarded as um well geez, we've got it worse than that where in our part of the neighborhood you know so stop your whining
2: but i think, but, I think by showing up she, she really gave her campaign a boost because uh she, the reaction to, to her to her her being there when all that happened was very, right. very positive, and I think it really did give her campaign a boost.
0: And another thing about that is that, about the incumbents and their performances, those meetings are so horrible that people don't go, well, they can't go to them, but they, they could tune in if they wanted to. People don't want to listen to it. They, and so, I, you know, because it's just so obnoxious, uh, yeah, a lot I, of it. And, and I, so people then would rely on the local media, I guess, to tell them what those meetings are like. Uh, but I think that was where, you know, I agree with you, uh, Henry, that um, Monica Galloway's uh, participation in professional uh, organizations and so on is a really great thing. It, it, they should all be doing that. But her performance in those actual meetings has really gone downhill, in my judgment. And um, and But people may not know about that because, and who can blame them for not wanting to have to listen to it? It's just, you know, so that's my view that, um, I think well, a, I, people I don't think that, know exactly what's going on in that city council.
2: I think that uh, uh, I, I pull. I pull. I pull those meetings up, but I, I. I really can't. Can't really pay attention continually. It's sort of like, I'll pull it up on my computer here in this in my study, and it's kind of uh, like background noise when it's running. But I, I can never endure the whole six, eight, or ten hour meetings they
6: have. Right. You know, I I believe, to me, it's the tail wagging the dog. You got people out there that don't understand government. They're they're getting to the podium and making statements and making assumptions and driving the process. But where are the real people, the people who understand this and understand the role of government and understand that government has to work for all people, not for an individual few. Or for right. a selected group of people, and those are the people there at the podium, and and uh, the council people are listening to those people, but they need to be out there where they there must be some intelligentsia out there or some role of people mm-hmm. who have uh, the will of a good government in mind, but I don't see that.
0: But where are they, Henry? That's that's a concerning point. Yeah.
4: Well, there
2: were in some
0: ways the the uh,
2: the uh, the rancor and and division seems to be contagious. Taken individually, if you take a look at the credentials of at least some of the members of the council, they're significant, and and, and there's no reason why they couldn't be good, solid council members. But it seems like once they get together, they feed on each other, and it just goes downhill from there.
0: Yeah, it just lapses into personal attacks, and uh... yeah. But I, I share that what you, how you just described it, Henry, is that's kind of how I feel too. The sort of desperation, like surely there's people out there that could do a better job of responding and following the council, even. But um, you're saying that the people who come up to the podium are not exactly.
6: Some well, of the, the hellraisers, so they don't uh,
0: raisers, yeah, have
6: yeah. anything to do with good government and working jointly with other units of government to make uh, deliberations easier. But and, and I think the rest of the county is looking at the city of Flint. And the city of Flint is a center of government for all of the county. And uh, Flint needs uh, that support from the rest of the county, to drive its will, and uh, people have given up on, who live on the outside, that there's no government at all. This is a just a, a show of, of and You know,
2: one other thing is, is when the council has got such a bad reputation, it discourages qualified folks for money. And if you were a qualified individual who wanted to run for council and you look at what they're doing, you might say, um, no, I've got better things to do with my life than to spend six or eight hours every Monday night yelling and screaming at people.
0: Yeah, I, I know. There really has to be a critical mass of mature, reasonable people that get on there to control the other part of it. Um, you know, like I, I think there might be some possibility. Like say that, let's just say that Allie one. won. Um, let's say that. Um, uh, I mean, there are some people that are running that could affect the critical mass a little bit, but in my view, as long as that first ward person is still in there, it's going to be... a <laughs>
6: right. You know, I'd I, I just like to conclude with this part uh, about Ms. Galloway. Uh, she called me one day and asked me uh, to um, uh, create a situation so she could come out to Clyde and observe how they function. And uh, with, that was a compliment to Clio. And of course, they all did things they needed to do uh, to make that happen. But th- th- I remembered that. She wanted to learn others' perspectives. And I think that all council members should go to other, should uh, review how government is around them and see how they could improve their own image. As the seat of government for all of Tennessee County, well I think you got
0: to give credit for wanting things to be better and recognizing the, the dysfunction. Um, but I, when you get to the when you get to the, situ, the actual situation and the actual meetings, uh, I think I don't think Eric Mays wants it to be different. Is my view from yeah. the way that he's behaving. So as long as you've got somebody like that. Um, it's going to be very hard, even if your intentions are good, to control the four Well, it's,
1: it's interesting. I asked, I had all of the candidates except for one. One of the candidates in the uh, seventh ward, Shannon Searcy, uh, declined to come on the show. Um, huh. I'm not sure that there's a correlation between that and finishing third, but I just set it out there.
2: Um,
1: <laughs> but in the process of talking, especially to the newcomers, they all seem to think that they can bring a level of professionalism that will rub off on their colleagues and and that they can they can make it better and it's It's surprising how many times Eric Mays has proved that he could dominate that group and and steer them basically wherever he wants it to go, yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. I recall in the past they had a number of. I was I was part of a number of workshops of, of you know how to conduct a good meeting and state and local government and all that, and it all went very well for the workshop. But once they got back to the council meeting, everything that happened in the workshop fell by the wayside and went back to their old habits.
0: It's like going back to, there. It's like going to family therapy, and when you get back home, the same scape. <laughs> Yeah.
6: but that says a lot about the electorate even in my district uh yeah. you know if that's what they want that's what they're going to continue to give city government but, the well, electorate maybe, has to the is the electorate that has to change yeah. not the candidate has to change it's the people who have to want better and what more? Well, and, and what accountability.
1: And, and and that brings brings us back to something you said earlier about um, expecting some different outcomes uh, with regard to incumbency because of the uh, reputation of the city council, and that that might be damaging to incumbents. But when you think about it, um, there are some interesting, details in this election one is that um, one of the incumbents Maurice Davis didn't survive the primary challenge That's, that's fairly significant and I want to talk about that one separately but also I find it interesting that of the other two incumbents or of the two Incumbents in the seventh and eighth wards. In the eighth ward, Alan Griggs did not come out first in the primary. Right, so it's
0: interesting. Yeah, yeah,
6: yeah, yeah. That's interesting. He'll be
1: facing. Sort of on
0: that subject. Did anybody find it interesting that Carrie Nelson came in third? Yeah, that was a surprise.
1: Yeah, and he had held that seat before. Um, I thought
0: that was interesting. That
1: and, and in the fifth ward, which wasn't on the ballot, um, Wantez Davis, who had held that seat before, um, was not uh, uh, certified to to run again. Right. His his petitions were turned down.
3: Um,
1: but I, I think it's I, I think it's telling a little bit that in in the eighth we have an incumbent that didn't come out on top. And then, of course, uh, in the second ward, the incumbent (laughs) didn't make it through the primary at all. But I wonder, in Maurice Davis's case, if that didn't have something to do with the residents in the second ward reacting to his support of
6: Donald Trump.
2: Exactly. That that was my thought, too.
6: Yeah, that would be
2: my thought. He got, he got yeah. out in front so strongly on that issue. Yeah, he got special <laughs>
0: attention. Oh, yeah. Lord. I think he but didn't read the room right on that it. one.
6: And that, that's part of, in my opinion, part of the things that's wrong with Flint. It only has one voice. There's no opposing voice. There are no Democrats, no Republicans. Everybody is in the same bag. And there's n- new ideas. It's hard to emerge in a situation like that. So um, the, I don't anticipate things to change very much without some kind of a rising, opposing point of view. And it's got to be from new people who, yeah. have, uh, who are rising now to assume the role of government. But it's not going to happen in this generation.
0: Henry, do you have any views about what could be done to wake up the electorate and get them to have better, make better quality decisions and so on?
6: No, but, but there's a time when things were collapse because of this kind of behavior. You know, they've got to figure out that we're not getting any new businesses in town. The kids are not being better educated. Uh, we're not growing any wealth. We're on the dole all the time, most of us, uh, looking for money from the federal government to pr- protect our waters and pay for our infrastructure and stuff like that. And so I don't, I don't see that as, uh, as something that <clears throat> will happen soon. But the you new know, people that. have to come in with energy and a vision to change the sea of Flint. It's got all of the, the, the tools and ingredients <clears throat> it needs to change. It's got all of this GM money that was left behind in institutions and in everybody's pockets. But that money won't emerge unless, of course, we have a responsible government. And we have to have that responsibly. Well, very very quickly,
1: I want to just run down the uh, contests going forward. In the second ward, Liddell Lewis will be challenged by Audrey Young. In uh, in the third ward, um, A.C. Dumas and uh, Quincy Murphy. Mm-hmm. will be running against yeah. each other. That's going to be an interesting race, I think. That will be. And um, Judy uh, Priestley will be challenging uh, incumbent Kate Fields in the uh, fourth ward. In the sixth ward, this is going to be an interesting race as well. you got Tanya Burns being challenged by Claudia Perkins. And... um Without saying anything about the people who didn't finish in the top two, they're both pretty good candidates, I think.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And
1: uh, then moving on to the seventh ward, as we already uh, already talked about, Allie Roter will be challenging the incumbent, Monica Galloway. And in the eighth ward, the incumbent, Alan Griggs, will be challenging um, Dennis Pfeiffer, who finished uh, yeah. on top Ooh. in that race. Mm. A couple other quick things, and and there was a a little bit of a takeaway from it, I think, and I'll see what you think. There were in uh, Birch Run and um, Fenton and uh, Linden, there were uh, millage proposals. And um, one was new money and two were renewals. Both of the renewals passed, the new money didn't.
0: Right. What yeah. was what was the new money supposed to be for?
1: Uh, Birch Run Area Schools operating millage. Oh, was it school?
6: operating millage.
2: a I, I I thought I thought the Birch Run thing did finally pass. I, and in Genesee County, it failed. But I thought it in district wide, I thought it passed. It, no, it, it
1: it went down 53 to 46, according to the numbers I got from the clerk's office.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I've got those here, but I think the, the district covers much. It's only a corner. of The district is only 28 votes. In oh, that, that so area. you're
1: saying from another county I, there are numbers. Yeah, I think I think that that laps over into Saginaw
2: County. So the Genesee County numbers just show this little corner of the district.
1: I'll, I'll, have, to, believe, I'll have to revisit that. My yeah, apologies. I believe
2: it did pass finally.
1: Yeah, my apologies uh. for giving the wrong impression there. I uh, I'll have to revisit that.
2: Yeah, that Birch Run thing is always tricky because it's just just a little. Little subdivision, I'm guessing, up in northern Genesee County, but the whole district goes further into Saginaw County, I believe.
1: Anybody surprised by Mike Duggan's runaway win in the, in the primary in Detroit? I wasn't. Mm. Uh, no, not really. Not surprised. really. Seventy-two <clears> percent, <throat> seventy-two and a half percent in a field of ten.
0: Wow. Mm.
1: That's Sweet. that's huge. that's impressive.
0: That is. Do you guys think he's a good? He's doing a good job. Obviously, the voters do. I think so. Yeah. <clears throat> That's refreshing, isn't it?
1: He got seventy-two and a half percent of the vote, and uh, the person who came in second got ten percent.
0: Oh my goodness! Oh. what was the turnout? Do you know, happen to know that?
1: I don't. That that isn't in the notes I have. I have it for Flint, but I don't have those numbers for Detroit.
0: It, it, it was. was it was going to be a doing. broken record to keep complaining about these low turnouts. It's, I mean that's it's,
2: that's, it's, yet it's, yet it's seen, that's yet to be seen.
1: That's yet to be seen as uh, districts get redrawn and and different candidates begin <clears throat> to
6: emerge. It was interesting that they that the I'll be watching the that Jan for that very reason. Oh, uh, go ahead, Henry I'm sorry. uh it was interesting in Detroit there was no evidence of racial uh overtones because yeah. to get seventy two that is um, that is incredible
5: uh, yeah.
6: and i I hope other cities will take uh, a page out of this election and uh, try to do likewise and 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 grow that culture that Causes a city to work well together.
2: By By the way, Tom, do you have any final numbers on the, the Detroit Charter? In terms of
1: yeah, of I do, um, and I meant to bring that up, but I, I, uh, let's see. Yeah, we've got we've got a minute or two to talk about that because it was voted down. Yeah. Um. Sixty-seven to thirty-two. I don't
2: think I saw any final numbers on it.
1: Sixty-seven to
2: thirty-two. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Mm. Oh, wait a minute. That's with eighty-one uh, percent of precincts reporting. Um, I, I think it's safe to say it's going to hold the no vote, but right. the numbers <coughs> could change a little bit. Yeah. I. Um, I in yeah. fact, a, an article I read in the Free Press this morning <laughs> referred to it as haphazardly written.
2: <laughs> yeah. There, there were a lot of critics for that. Yeah.
0: Mm. So uh, what's the length of the term for Duggan?
1: What is it, four I think years? It's six years.
0: What is four it? years, I think.
1: Yeah, it's four so, years.
0: Yeah, huh. yeah. Boy, it'd be nice to have some stable city government here, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be nice to have Henry's yeah. dream come true? Yeah. Well, you know, I've always uh, ar-
6: If we look to the north... Saginaw has a stable. I believe with all of the variations and the sorts of people that live there and work together, their communities are stable. Mm. They're much you more know, stable I always just argue that,
2: that the, 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 the three forces that used to govern Flint were, were GM, the UAW, and the Mott Foundation, right. and two of them are pretty much gone. Yeah. And that really opens the, the, the door to just an awful lot of chaos because we've been yeah. so used to having those three forces as the the, the groups that put people on councils and, and advisory boards. And and, and that
1: interestingly, that, that, that. that characterization of who runs Flint did not include the city
2: government. That's exactly right. right. <laughs> exactly right.
1: Yeah. Anyway, we've got to take a short break, but we'll be back with... Uh, More of today's edition of Armchair Politics with our roundtable regulars Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, joined by Jan Worth Nelson. After we let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break, they are uh, WFOV 92.1 LP-FM in Flint.
3: This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
1: Hey, welcome back to Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program with uh, Paul Rosicki on the left, Henry Hatter on the right, joined by uh, Jan Worth Nelson from East Village Magazine. The uh, Shiawassee County Board of Commissioners never got a chance to remove Jeremy Root from his position as chairman of the board during their special meeting Sunday. Root did it himself, resigning his chairmanship but not his position as a commissioner after a failed attempt to give COVID-19 relief funds to elected officials, including $25,000 to himself. More than 200 residents crowded a community meeting call to consider a reorganization of the board Sunday blasting the seven-member commission for giving American rescue plan hazard pay to themselves and other elected officials while lower level employees were given as little as thousand dollars. Root failed to show for the meeting but his letter of resignation as chairman was read eliciting cheers and jeers from citizens who criticized the entire board for the vote that allowed the distribution to take place. Is there another shoe that's going to drop
6: in that story? Well, I, I think that there was a lesson learned here. Uh, one of the unpardonable sins in government, if, if you're running for government or uh, whatever, is that you have to be cautious about how you vote yourself raises. That has to be done by others. You can't go out and do that. People look at that as self-grandizement and move away from it very quickly. So.
2: I, I think that the, the, the best word was one that Woodrow used last week. It's the bonehead. Bonehead.
6: Bone. Yeah, <laughs> he used the bonehead. And, yeah. and I have to agree that that's the right characterization.
0: It's like audacity and shamelessness, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um.
2: As I said, I think in in, in terms of people being at risk, uh, I'm guessing that that board met virtually much of the time. We, meanwhile, a lot of the, the county workers were out there meeting with people and doing their jobs and all of that. If there was anybody at risk, it probably wasn't the county board.
6: And besides, the county board, uh, the people who run for the board should be sufficiently uh, financed uh, with through their own endeavors uh to take care of their financial needs, otherwise, if you kinda depend on government to do it you 're probably not in government for the right reason
0: in amen that's right yeah yeah
6: <clears throat> no i I think there'll
2: be some other shoes to drop for the other members of the board i'm assuming assuming they were all in on the the deal and and were aware of what they were doing when they granted all themselves those substantial amounts of money. I think there may be more and more to drop. Uh, I don't know what the folks in Shirewalsey County will do with whether it's be a a recall or just the next election. But I think there'll be more repercussions.
6: Well, the chances are <clears throat> he may not run. Those people on that council should probably consider uh, not True. not running True. again.
2: I think that's wise
6: to to reform the <clears throat> government so that people can have trust and faith in it.
1: Well, in 2022, Michigan will hold a gubernatorial election and it's long been assumed that Governor Gretchen Whitmer would not have a Democratic opponent. But the Genesee County Sheriff says he's not ruled it out yet. Sheriff Chris Swanson made national headlines last May when in the wake of the George Floyd killing, he pitched his riot gear and joined the Black Lives Matter demonstrators in Flint. The sheriff also made statewide headlines when he refused to enforce Whitmer's lockdown of the entire state. He told the residents that he applauded the governor's directive to protect the community but he would not be arresting anyone For violating the executive order after 27 years in the sheriff's department 47 year old now making more political news by refusing to take himself out of a possible bid for governor if he were to get in it would be unprecedented for a candidate from the same party to challenge a sitting governor is this a Matt Dillon move or a Barney Fife move
2: I don't know what his logic is. I mean, I, I often thought he was going to run for something like that at some point, mm-hmm. but to challenge the sitting governor, who remains quite popular he... in her own party, I I don't see where that's going to go for him.
6: But and he but may guys, a lot look, of bridges with that. But look I mean, at the dynamics that are out there. Uh, you've got uh, the governor holds in the balance uh, a portion of the black community but uh, with the, the, the sheriff who represents black lives matters that mm-hmm. could kind of break up that dominant hold that the government the governor has on the black community so a lot of things could happen it's unpredictable here
2: so, no I, I, uh, th- I think he can be a very viable candidate at some point but under under these conditions i just it strikes me as kind of a suicide move but yeah i, I but, think at some yeah. point maybe no that's
6: it's not recommended uh, if you were a Democrat. Uh, that that would probably not be a good thing. And you think uh, you can uh, the consequences and the backlash, the aftermath.
1: Do you think that he put it out there to start testing the waters? That he has no intention of announcing that he's going to run this cycle, but that you know he he wants to start now building that buzz for down the road.
2: I think I think that's probably on target. That was when I first heard that, that yeah, was sort of maybe my initial that, thought.
6: Yeah. <clears throat> that could be tactful. Yeah.
1: And and the thing is, the way the story has been told uh, on the Scubic Show and by Fox Two News, it almost sounds as if other people were talking about it and they asked him and he refused to comment. But I suspect that he put it out there to begin with.
2: Uh. No, I, I think he's got other ambitions, and I'm I'm sure we'll be seeing those some somewhere down the road. Whether next year is the time, I don't know, but I think we'll be we'll be seeing him running for something else. Is my guess. <clears throat> you know, he had a fundraiser recently, I think, out in Grand Blanc in the last couple of weeks, and I was struck by first two things. First of all, the sheer number of people that showed up. And this large bus he had with his name on it, like he was running a statewide campaign. I do not recall a county sheriff before having quite such a large operation to to run for for a county sheriff job. Hmm.
1: Well, and you know he was actually appointed to serve as interim before running a full campaign. All
2: right. All right.
1: Well, it's going to be uh, interesting to follow that, uh, follow that story. Um, Let me check something here. Um, Oh, uh, we've got time to squeeze this one in before uh, the top of the hour break. Four reportable conditions related to spending state funds on Flint water crisis programs have been identified in a new report from the Michigan Office of uh, Auditor General. The report, released Friday, does not identify any significant errors but reports insufficient oversight of grants, unsupported or improper grant changes and lack of on-site reviews of school nurses paid for, by the state's $371 million in spending authorizations for water crisis programs. Who has oversight? And should oversight be uh, established prior to releasing funds?
6: <laughs> I don't
1: think I, it's going to be Yeah,
0: I was just going to, as you were leading into that, I was just going to go, okay, so who's supposed to do it? Yeah. Uh, and yeah, absolutely, that, that brings up um, to me, that brings up the whole debacle with the Mott Foundation and the Flint Community Schools. Like, who's paying attention yeah. to these proposals? Who's, you know, uh, I, okay, I'm going to shut up because I want to hear what you guys have to say. I want to hear the answer to that question.
6: Who does? Who does? Over All of that is very nebulous. Yeah,
2: I'm not sure not, we have yeah, the there's, answer there's, to no, that no question. no formal structure.
6: But it
1: seems like people giving out money should be asking that question before the money is given out. That should be That's what the Mott Foundation did. Yeah.
0: They asked questions. Well, I mean there should be a system set up that says if you take this money, this is how you have to account for it to us. I mean, that that just seems logical to me. Um, you know, the East Village magazine just went through this process of turning in our annual report for the money that we received from the Mott Foundation. And, you know, they want detail. They want metrics. Um, it And we know that that's what's expected of us every year. And we have to uh, justify things that we do that either met the terms of the grant or didn't in whatever way. That just seems logical to me. So, And, and uh, the amount of money we're talking about there is minuscule. Uh, but... Were there criteria set up for how to be accountable, or or was this just a matter of everybody was in a big hurry and they threw the money out and, like, oh, we'll deal with the evaluation of it later?
6: Uh, mm. You know, I, I think oversight in general refers to the electorate, the people, uh, if they combine their power. Yeah, well, I mean, if there's public money, to
0: look, yeah. Yeah. That's right. But,
6: but, but, mm-hmm. but in reality, that doesn't work. People, they'll all think the same thing. They, they can't uh, generate um, an organization that does that automatically. So the and most voters haven't got the time or energy to, to focus on the, those details of, of yes. so many of those programs. So the people have to be out of it. There has to be an institution, something, an implement, some, somebody.
0: Well, I mean, the authorities. in question, like how does somebody know that their investment has borne results, right? In the case of East Village Magazine, it always pleases me every year when we when we go through this reporting process, that so we can say, we did twelve issues of East Village Magazine. you can hold it in your hand, or you can go online and you can see what we did. You can see which stories we covered. You can read those stories, right? So, I mean, in our case, I've always felt grateful that we have all kinds of ways that our work can be evaluated in really concrete terms.
1: Hey, we but have to break there, but we'll uh, come back with the second half. Right Hi, I'm Alexander
2: Zanjic Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner.